0: FBI Radio. It is now down to earth, so Kurt joins us in the studio, it's our fortnightly chat about our urban environments and how we can make them fairer and more sustainable. This week we're going to be talking about pets in the city.
1: Eddie, pets for sure, it's all about pets, which is just another one of those good environmental issues that we can get stuck into because it brings together all the ecological and sustainable stuff with the social side of urban life, so... Yeah, I figured we'd get into it.
0: Pet ownership is also relatively high in Australia. Every second person seems to own a French bulldog.
1: Oh, <laughs> French bulldogs. <laughs> in my neighborhood, it's all these cavoodles.
0: Oh, really? See every second
1: house seems to have a cavoodle, but We've, yeah.
0: We had someone message in with a moodle. A moodle? A moodle called Jelly Bean.
1: What's a moodle now? I wonder. I'm it's a n- poodle and a something.
0: A poodle and a mutt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right on. My Moodle. Um, but yeah, it turns out that actually there are more pets in this country than there are people. 24 million pets according to the last big survey that was done of it. Um, and we do have one of the highest rates of pet ownership in the world apparently. like So 62% of all households in Australia have a pet of some kind or other. And dogs, <laughs> your Moodles, your Cavoodles, your French Bulldogs are definitely the most popular. Uh, so yeah, there's about 20 dogs for every 100 people in Australia.
0: As if looking after yourself isn't hard enough.
1: I know, I know. But um, I don't know. I've just recently become a dog owner personally and it is a whole thing. I'd uh, not had one as a kid, but uh, you're right. First year especially when they're little and they're making a mess everywhere. Yes.
0: So besides (laughs) that... um, environmental problem what (laughs) what environmental and social issues does this level of pet ownership bring with it well
1: yeah so all these pressures on our urban environments and we sort of think about the fact that there are more and more people everywhere but like if there are people with pets that brings a whole set of its own interesting little challenges so there's a whole bunch of things that we could have got into here because there are all sorts of different pets and they all have their own different issues so even if you think about dogs uh, which we will be a fair bit in this segment today. Um, you know, there's all the stuff environmentally, for example, about dog food and about how much effort goes into producing food for dogs. Yes. Um, whereas, you know, on the other hand, you could think about all these people with chooks in their backyard who are actually the chooks are these brilliant recyclers of food waste, right? Um, you exactly. know, turning it in, into eggs and poop at the same time that's useful for your garden. So there's a whole bunch of different things we could have got into, but I sort of wanted to get into some of those nitty gritty tricky planning issues today around how we make space for pets in the city as well and dogs are such a sort of, I think because they are the most popular pet in cities. Exactly. A good especially for us
0: especially with the cityscape shifting, yeah. less houses, more apartments. So what kinds of pet related planning issues are the hot topics?
1: Well, yeah, well planning has a whole bunch of hot topics <laughs> if I don't know whether planners think of them as hot but they are interesting and one of them is That we've talked on the segment in uh, times past about the provision of green spaces in cities, particularly, as you say, as we're getting more and more apartments being built and everything. But one of the really interesting things that's happening in some areas is that planners are actually kind of encouraging pet ownership in newly developed areas and really deliberately making these big dog runs. Not just to respond to the fact that people like their doggies, but also because they think that pet ownership and these dog parks are actually a great way for neighbours to sort of come together and actually meet each other and build a bit of social capital in their community. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Because I went from living in a house to an apartment. Yeah. I don't know anyone. No. (laughs) I don't know anyone. And the only real interactions you have... With the people that live around you, or when your dog's smelling their dog's bum, and
1: you give each other a polite <laughs> smile. I know, right? And this is the yeah, and this is the thing I'm finding. It's kind of like you know, because I've got a couple of kids too. It's kind of like what happens outside the school gate, but these dog parks, you do just end up getting into conversations with people through the dog. The dog becomes the like little object in between yeah. the two people that gives you an excuse to have a chat to somebody that is just never going to be your friend or something. It's just a matter of actually meeting people that are, you would never meet in your regular walk of life, maybe, but suddenly you've got something in common with them.
0: Yeah. i still only know this old lady as her dog's name's Brandy and
1: Whiskey. Right. So you're Brandy and Whiskey's mum. <laughs> yeah. Hi, exactly. Brandy and Whiskey's mum. That's it. And it's like, that seems sort of really trivial on the one hand, but this is the thing about the social life of cities, right? That it's incredibly important for us. Um, from a kind of mental health perspective, but also just from a kind of urban life in a political sense perspective that we have these everyday interactions with people that aren't just exactly the same as us. Um, And where I used to live in Erskineville, another classic case of it, you know, all these kind of brilliant, like gentrifying folks with their, you know, manicured dogs. But having big old chats with like retirees and people from the housing estate you know, about their doggies and just ignoring their differences. Exactly. Because you don't have to talk about that today. We're just here watching our dogs sniff each other's bums. Bums. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's a good excuse to bring a neighborhood together.
0: Yes. Um, That kind of thing also depends on people who don't own their own place, being able to find a rental where they could have a pet in the first place, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's so true. So, and especially with all the apartments being built and in Sydney right now, that's it. You know, if you're renting one of those, um, you've got to get permission from your landlord to be able to have a pet there. Um, and landlords don't have any obligation to say yes in New South Wales. So it's a really big deal. Like people with pets trying to find places that they can live where they're allowed to have their doggy or their cat or their snake or whatever it's going to be. Um, and, you know, there's all the stuff that people do about just trying to avoid those inspections and let the doggy over at their friend's house when they know yeah. that there's an inspection <laughs> coming or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's a big deal. So the the in New South Wales, there's a kind of Make Renting Fair campaign that's been going on for a little while now. And actually opening up rentals to pets is a big part of the campaign because um, they're just sort of saying how important it is for particularly, again, elderly people living on their own where actually pet ownership is hugely important again as a kind of health benefit getting you out of the house giving you someone to care for all that sort of stuff and victoria daniel andrews bless his cotton socks he's what just actually yeah there? they've just um they've just passed some rental reforms down there uh last year and now it's kind of switched the onus of you know um permission to wards the renters so basically you know the landlord has to give you a really good reason why you can't have a pet as opposed to you having to ask permission which is um Oh, amazing. Made a big difference.
0: Also with that, it would be good to sit alongside that education of pet ownership and which animals are suited for a little apartment.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is true, right? I know. You do see sometimes you get to feel a bit sad with these giant dogs cooped up in these tiny small places and they don't get their walks and everything. Yeah. Thin walls, barking, blah, blah, blah.
0: All right. Well, so much dog chat. We're just (laughs) going (laughs) to... We're just going to go to a song real quickly and then we'll be back with some more dog talk. This is Down to Earth with Kurt Iveson. We are talking about pets in the city, planning and how we can look after these animals in a rapidly developing city. So, one of those things is planning for transport. Uh, there's all, there's been a lot of interesting research about pets and public transport. If you don't have a dog park nearby, or you want to take an animal to work or some other place, what do you do?
1: Yeah, exactly. If you don't have a car, that's the other thing. So having talked about the housing laws, it's also the transport stuff that matters. Um, And so Jennifer Kent, who's one of the planning academics at Sydney Uni where I work and Corin Mully have done this great. Survey of dog owners in Sydney and about how they get around town for their walking and recreation stuff because, um, yeah, it turns out that, like, if 40% of households in Sydney have a dog, which is actually huge, um, they reckon that there were about 2.4 million dog related car trips in a private car carried out in Sydney every week, which is just Insane, it blows my mind. Really, it's Insane. amazing. Like, yeah, and driving
0: so, to walk.
1: Yeah, and it's so it's this thing that they've sort of asked people like, how many times a week do you take your doggy for a walk? Uh, and you know, the majority three or more. And then of those, at least one of those trips tends to be you take your dog in the car and go somewhere, you know, where they can have a swim or whatever it happens to be, um, or somewhere where they can really run around or yeah. play with some other dogs yeah. or whatever. So. Um, Yeah, it's a big deal. So it's not just, it's obviously some stuff about getting to vets and everything as well, some of those trips, but a lot of it is just for For pleasure. Pleasure.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I had to take my little freckles for a drive the other day because we can't jump on the bus to get to Gordon's, but she just had the time of her life when she was there. Yeah. And I can't drive, so I have to rely on other people to shuttle me and little freck around.
1: Exactly. And so it turns out that it's not that way everywhere, right? You and Freckles should be able to catch the damn bus. Exactly. Um, And in lots of European cities particularly, it would be no problem. Um, You know, pets are welcome on buses um, and on trains. And uh, there's no reason it couldn't be so here. So, yeah, Jennifer's sort of been making the case that maybe we should be rethinking that particular little ban um, in Sydney and making it a bit more doable for people to pop their doggy on a bus yeah
0: definitely I remember a year or so ago my mum had the dog in the car and the car broke down so mm. she had to the only option was to get a train home oh. and she had to beg and plead oh, <laughs> to man. bring little Freck on the train
1: oh and the thing, it would it be like you can just imagine what it would have been like being on the train with her freckles. You can imagine how many conversations she would have got into, I reckon. People coming up and, like, you know. Oh my God, I know. Everyone's obsessed with her. Yeah. So it'd be another one of those things that I can actually imagine it being a conversation starter on a train or a bus instead of us all sitting there on our phones. Phones,
0: exactly. Ignoring each other. We and, should all have a dog in our pocket God, instead okay. of a phone.
1: <laughs> to pull out of the handbag. <laughs> freckles. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think. Um, Like, of the survey that they did, like, 95% of people said if they could take their pets on public transport, that would mean that they would do that, and that would reduce their car use. So, yeah, something we could think about.
0: Yeah, more cars off the roads. Exactly. 2.4
1: million trips. Like, anyway. And it would
0: just be one person and the dog.
1: Yep, yep. And, you know, we do it occasionally, too. I know. We end up down in Glebe, and that's the way we get there. And, like, it's right on the light rail, which would take us right there if we could do it. But, anyway... (laughs) (laughs)
0: You need to need, uh, and how ridiculous it is that you need to adorn your dog in some, um, uh, the like, what are they? The dogs, the therapy dogs. They're allowed everywhere. I
1: know. So if you can just scrounge one of those companion animal therapy dog little stickers, then you're sweet.
0: I I saw yesterday that someone tried to take a therapy peacock. On a plane recently.
1: How did that go for them?
0: Not well. Not well. well. (laughs) While I'm speaking, we were talking about just before uh, I saw an article. It's from two years ago. It was a dog in Seattle. It was a black lab called Eclipse, the only eclipse that I saw last night, unfortunately. But this dog would take itself to the park. It would jump on a bus by itself, know the bus stop. And walk itself
1: <laughs> that's too awesome a, is there a, anyway is there a video or a link we should totally put that up I would love to see
0: Maria that. can producer Maria can share that link of Eclipse the completely urbanized bus riding sidewalk and dog <laughs>
1: that's so awesome there we go never mind taking your pets on they should be able to hop exactly. on on their own imagine that get, Cool.
0: get your dog an opal card <laughs>
1: That's the next step of the campaign. Doggy opals.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Kurt. I have one more question for you. Go ahead. In regards to dogs in the city. I've been wondering what the environmental impact of using doggy bags to pick up doggy poo is.
1: It's a total conundrum, right? Because we don't. You know, it really makes people miffed when they're walking around and people haven't cleaned up after their pooch. Yes. Um, but as you say, there's this whole thing about single-use plastics that we know are bad. Um, and actually having the poop go into the regular waste stream is also bad because then it's going to release all its methane gases yes. and blah, blah, blah. Right? Yes.
0: So... It's yeah. bad if it is on the sidewalk and it goes in a drain.
1: Yep, yep. That's bad. Okay. It's bad if it ends up in a tip because, again, it releases all the gas. Okay. So one option that folks have if they want to explore it is that a lot of the pet stores are now carrying these little doggy poop composting systems. They're not that hard, so they just require you to be able to – You need, I mean, again, not so easy maybe if you're in an apartment. But if you've got some space where you, you can dig a little hole, I guess the size of like – you know, like a bin in your bedroom. Uh, that, you don't want you know it in your I mean? bedroom. No, you don't want it in the bedroom. <laughs> no. I'm just trying to think of something to. Oh, like a little little,
0: little um yeah. paper paper bin. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. yeah, a yeah paper yeah. bin. So
1: you just got to have enough space to be able to dig that kind of hole, and then these things will just basically you can just drop the poop in there, and and it'll just compost away. Um, so that's definitely a much more sustainable. So way you have of to carry it.
0: With you the whole way home. Yeah, I bet people, people will would love, love that, that on the public transport. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <totally. laughs> after you get, <laughs> the, after we let the dogs on the public transport, no. then you bring their poo with but you. See,
1: yeah, <laughs> I swear to God, it would work for my dog who just refuses to do poop anywhere except my freaking backyard. Um So I'm constantly forever <laughs> cleaning it up and dumping it into a little hole. So it's doable, anyway. <laughs> it's yeah, It's
0: doable. Train your dogs. Yep,
1: train your dogs. Only need the compost. Freckles could, only need a compost.
0: I actually have a message on O four oh nine nine four five nine four five and someone's asking could they not install them in parks?
1: Wouldn't that be clever? That's something that we could get to Inner you know, West That sounds like something that West Council could pioneer in Sydney, doesn't it?
0: That sounds like whoever's messaging idea. us is an urban planner.
1: They should totally be writing to their council. That is a great idea.
0: Yes. I yes. like it.
1: And actually, you're right. It wouldn't be that hard. They figure everything else out for those parks. They've usually got the, like, bag dispensers and all sorts of other things. Exactly. So instead of having a bag dispenser... Just have a have little... A pit.
0: Have a pit. <laughs> have a shit pit.
1: Shit pit. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your kids away. Yeah. Unless they fall in. Oh. oh.
0: Oh, my God. This has been so much fun, Kurt. Thank you so much for joining us again on Down to Earth. And... I won't be here next week, but you will. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be just as good.
1: Well, as always, thanks, It's fun to be here.
0: This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at FBIRadio.com slash podcasts.